0: This is the Thought Experiment, Episode Zero.
1: In this podcast, we will explore neuroscience related questions and go on many tangents along the way.
0: This is the pilot episode, so we hope you like it.
1: Please enjoy. Today the question is about free will. Um, For our listeners, free will is, you know, something that a lot of people find boring (laughs) because they thought about it once and made a decision or they never thought about it. And it's just like, obviously you make choices all the time or you feel like you make choices. Um, But when it comes down to it, you know, if you're... uh, Many neuroscientists, I don't know if most neuroscientists, but many neuroscientists come down to a view where Um, your decision-making is a result of many small physical interactions, which are computable, probably, or maybe they wouldn't know what (laughs) that means. Yeah, I
0: mean, that's that's the goal, Um, to figure that out.
1: Which, you know, basically, not to get into annoying philosophical edge cases... I think that's the whole point.
0: We're (laughs) getting into annoying philosophical edge cases.
1: Makes it so that you don't believe that people can make choices. Um. So that's why I'm here today is to talk to a neuroscience person. I don't think you get uh, Yeah, at I'm, the not, end I'm not yet. quite
0: a neuroscience person, fledgling, but I maybe. have. I have. Yeah, fledgling. I have takes on neuroscience. So I think to to perhaps recap that a little bit. Right. So you're thinking about determinism and its relationship to free will. So just to clarify this a little bit, determinism um, is the idea that you know, if I can know exactly where every atom is in the world, in your body, in your brain, I can predict. What's what you're going to do next perfectly or almost perfectly. And the argument goes that that indicates that we don't actually have free will um, because free will would inherently have to be non-predictable. So, first of all, where do you fall on this?
1: Um, on whether free will exists?
0: I think, I think perhaps they're separate questions. I think they're separate questions. Um, so, one being... Where do you fall in determinism? Are you, are you swayed by that? Or do you think that that's like a false description of things? Um, and two, do you think we have free will? Or do you think that your answer on the, on the first question means
1: that we don't? Okay. Well, I want to answer those. But let's do a little more background. Just to be clear, these are philosophical questions. I don't think science can answer whether determinism is real or not. Or whether free will is real or not. Science can commit you to a position philosophically which disagrees with free well, will.
0: I, I, I want to push back on that a little bit because say I actually do like build that device that tracks all of the atoms and can predict you perfectly for the next year. Like, I, I feel like if you come down with an answer that like, no, this this idea of determinism is totally false and then I build that machine, like I've, em- I've empirically proven you wrong, no? Hmm,
1: that's a good question. I'm not sure if predictability is the... May- key thing with free will, I, I think. Mean, it's yeah, m- I,
0: th- I think that's a separate question. I actually don't think that it is, but when it comes to determinism, that is the question. So I, I think that that kind of is a scientific question in some ways, or at least empirical results can shed light on
1: it. Um, I have to think about this. Does if science predicts every action that someone takes? Um. Yeah, I guess you're right. Then it would be deterministic, and that would be incompatible with free will Mm -hmm. because you would feel like, okay, well then, you know, you could imagine someone trying to, like, choose the opposite of whatever the machine would do, and it would still match whatever their decision-making is. Yeah.
0: Well, I I think it's a separate question whether or not that is your definition of free will. But I think think you said you had another question for me first.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, uh, there's a lot of questions on the docket. (laughs) I don't think free will exists
0: because of determinism?
1: Yeah. Well, I just think it's like outdated. I mean, it's kind of more of an intuitive position that it goes hand in hand with a lot of old religions and a lot of old books and a free lot of old does. ways free will and a lot of old ways that we organized our society. But the more that we learn scientifically about decisions, it seems to me like that the main factor in decisions is not your like conscious mind. It's a lot of Things outside of your control, Mm -hmm. and it feels like the window narrows and narrows and narrows to where it's all these predictable things, like you're talking about, which are in the domain of science.
0: Yeah, I think you're definitely right that the idea of unpredictability has been kind of proven false, or is at least soon to be proven false with scientific advancement. But the reason that I think we still kind of have free will in some sense is that I don't think that that's what free will actually means. And to be clear, I think you're completely correct. Like, I think nothing you have said is wrong. But I also think that the way we understand free will is as a phenomenological feeling. Like, free will is the feeling that you can do anything. And I have the feeling that I can do or say anything right now.
1: Well, no. When people say free will philosophically, they mean you really can choose. They don't just mean a feeling.
0: I don't know that that's what everyone means. But I also think kind of regardless of, of the specific definition when a lot of people are talking about like the question do we have free will they kind of mean it in the immediate sense like do, do, are my choices my own and I think the answer to that is that you feel that they are and that feeling is what it is to have free will
1: um sure I mean, I get that that's your position, but you're just changing what free will means. Uh,
0: yes, I am. And I can I, say I, think, free will I think you're means correct on, on your definition. I just don't think that your definition aligns with, with what most
1: people No one mean. disagrees with your position. That's why I don't think it's very interesting. No one would disagree that we ha- have a feeling that we have free will.
0: It's yes, like everyone I, has a subjective
1: consciousness. <laughs> everyone has a subjective free will. The
0: claim that I'm making, though, is that that is the definition that aligns more with what people actually mean when they talk about, like, do I have free will or not?
1: Um, why would they say that? Because what I'm saying is that everyone knows that they have this feeling. What people are saying is whether the feeling is true or not. Because we- all the time we have beliefs that are false or feelings that are false.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's possible. I-, I see your point. I think that's a valid interpretation. But I also think that, I mean, part of the reason I say this is because I know that there's a like a tendency of people to, when they realize or when they decide like there is no free will, to think that that has an imperative built into it. Like, there are people who say, well, I don't have free will, so I'm just going to do whatever. Right. Like, that's I don't have to do anything. A, and I think that strain is answered by my redefinition. Like, it doesn't fucking matter.
1: <laughs> wow, so, I didn't know uh, we're cursing oh, here. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I okay. It doesn't matter. Flipping matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if we're, what kind of podcast we're going to be with that.
1: <laughs> um, so can you elaborate on that? What doesn't matter? Now that you've... First off, let's just sector off this redefinition of free will to just the feeling. Yeah. Why doesn't it matter if it's just a feeling for the people who are like, oh, if it's all just determined, why don't I just jump off a bridge or why don't I do? Yeah, you're right. I think
0: that is a separate question. I think I, yeah, I'm going backwards a little bit here. but It's
1: all good. I think it's an interesting thought because putting things in that perspective can allow for other things to work better and for people Mm -hmm. maybe to not freak out. When they're like, well, my feeling of being free isn't going to yeah. go away. Yeah, that's on the level of, like, psychology or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I'll answer that question and maybe get to why I think they're related. So the reason that it doesn't matter if we have free will or not is that you still live your life the same, right? Right. Like, it. I, I don't know how to say that in a, in a more basic way, but, like, That's kind of all philosophy,
1: yeah, pretty much, well, but, yeah. I
0: don't know if that's true, but— uh, Does
1: anyone care whether it's, like, you know, there's one matter that— Makes up all matter, whether it's all discrete atoms, or whether it's a fluid, or whether there's eleven dimensions. Although okay, wait, there is wait, good, your new UFO UFO is not philosophy,
0: either. but oh, UFO. that's like metaphysics stuff. Oh.
1: Metaphysics people are like, you know, they, when you just talk about things that we could never possibly sense or build machines to sense. Then, it, yeah, it's
0: I, I can see a lot of people thinking of metaphysics as deeply irrelevant. But I mean, moral philosophy stuff like that. Like they, we're getting a little off at the end topic, of the day. But- it's
1: like. The, the uh, okay, you can okay. always say for a theoretical philosophy you know no if, if I
0: convinced you that you have a moral imperative to change your actions you should change your actions and that's philosophy
1: um, yeah so maybe the ethics would be relevant <laughs> so to maybe day-to-day. the ethics
0: yeah but anyway back back to the topic at hand um I don't think that it's just oh because philosophy doesn't matter the answer to this question doesn't matter but whether or not you have free will, you're going to act the same. There is no, right. like, bearing on, like, you know, if, if you have a freak out about free will, that's still determined. Like, if you change your actions because you have, you, you realize you don't have free <laughs> From will, From a like, that's deterministic still, that's point of determined. view, if you have
1: free will or not, you'll still do the same thing. Yeah, you're
0: still going to do the same thing. <laughs> it and kind also, of begs the question, right? Well, I mean, If you
1: believed in free will, then whether you had free will or not would matter a lot.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, Yeah, But from your point of view. I guess. Like, I mean, have your freak out. But, like, it shouldn't change any long-term action.
1: And back to your feeling point of view, whether or not it exists, you have the feeling. And so the feeling is really what drives day-to-day behavior. It's not, like, every day I'm like, hmm, what are my philosophical positions? Now I will act in accordance.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that people have a tendency to get freaked out because they conflate the two. Um, and, you know, disproving the philosophical illusion should not have any bearing on your day to day, which is why I, I like my definition because mm-hmm. it's it's what it feels like. Like you you feel like you have a choice and that phenomenology is valid. Like that is an important sensation in itself and in fact probably the most important aspect of what I would consider to be the domain of possible definitions of free
1: will. So I want to bring this to a little more neuro or maybe psych area like what's are there times where you don't feel like you have free will where people's brains are in some kind of state
0: what do you like is it kind of a state
1: like there's times when people are conscious and unconscious are there times Mm -hmm. when people are like feel like they have free will and feel like they don't like obviously there's times when you're compelled to do something but this is kind of an like if it's a let's say just the feeling you know
0: Okay, I mean, I don't know if this is quite the like deep answer you're looking for here, but I think reflex is the the first one that comes to mind. I mean, there are circuits that don't even reach the brain, right? Like the, the knee jerk circuit, you know, um, like at the doctors and stuff. That doesn't go to the brain, right? Um, and so, I although think- I will
1: say, if I focus really hard when it's happening, I can make it not happen. So,
0: <laughs> I I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> um,
1: I'm a neurological anomaly. But you, maybe sure you can, you I are. can come into the lab. I, well,
0: I, I, I don't know the, the –
1: um, I get what you're saying. There's plenty of things in the body that your brain yeah. has no say over. Like there's all those things you can tell someone, you know, notice where your tongue is in your mouth or start breathing through your mouth or whatever. Yeah. All these unconscious yeah. systems. Yeah, and
0: I think that's maybe not the, the cool answer that you're looking for here, but I do think that that's I mean, I think it's pretty an cool. interesting one. If I mean, you were to
1: put it – sorry, continue. No, no, no go ahead. Oh, if you were to put in percentages of, like, I don't even know how you'd measure this, like, all the actions that a person does in a day, how many of them would you say are controlled by our, like, main... First off, I don't know how even mainstream of you this is in neuroscience, that there's, like, the main conscious free will feeling subjective thing, and then there's, like, all the subsystems, like, if that's a thing that people talk about.
0: There there are definitely different systems responsible for different things, and you can talk about the more, like, automatic actions of the body, and that is often localized to a different area. Like, Like, does your
1: brain control your, like, digestive system? I
0: mean, uh, yeah, the brain controls everything.
1: Yeah, Um, that's kind of... I
0: think a lot of what you're talking about is, like, like cerebellar things. So, you know, there's, like, the cerebrum and the cerebellum. The cerebellum does a lot more of the basic um, things, so it it regulates... That animals do, too? Yeah, yeah, it's common across most... I I, I don't know animals. Yeah, it's okay. But, (laughs) yeah. Um, So... I think that's what you're talking about. I, I don't know if there is a, a differentiation the exact way you're talking about where it's a focus on conscious versus like conscious in the philosophical sense versus... Right. That, that's kind
1: yeah. of a bad term to use. But you, you know what I mean? Like every, pe- generally people feel like when you're awake and I'm going to use the C word conscious, <laughs> you have this feeling of like I'm making choices, I'm doing things. Mm-hmm. But there's also all this blend of automatic. Like when I'm yeah. on a bike... When you learn a skill for a long time, your brain makes it automatic and efficient and all these things. And I'm never consciously like moving my legs. It just happens, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think there are a few different gradations of of consciousness in the actions that you're talking about there because you've named a few. And so one is the like you are very in it. It is a novel stimulus that you're exploring or there's, you know, you're learning to ride a bike for the first time. You have to really think about it. There's also the level of, like, you've committed to kind of muscle memory, um, what you're doing when you're riding a bike, but that's not the same thing as, like, your heart rate because you are still choosing to do it in a way that you're not choosing for your heart to beat or for your lungs so to beat. So it,
1: it's not black or white, I guess, with yeah, regards I, I think, to, I like, think there like are attention. And, yeah. Okay, so it's a gradated thing. Basically, at what at I want to terms say of is... of
0: the, the phenomenology, that's not really a neuroscience take, but... it Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah um this podcast you know we're not <laughs> it's more casual for now <laughs> i think we'll try and demarcate when we yeah. want to do strict evidence-based look at the studies things yeah and
0: yeah i will we'll cite things we'll be in, responsible you know
1: we're not yeah. spreading misinformation <laughs> unless we get a really good uh brand deal or something yeah, you know, that's a then. good point yeah um but there's no free will so it's not our choice if we do something evil
0: well, okay. I, th- I think you, you, you've introduced <laughs> an entirely new question Wait, before, here, which is societal. Before bland. we
1: get this, I, mm-hmm. what, the question I wanted to ask was: um, it feels to me like there's no way to quantize this, really. But it feels like most of the actions that the brain takes are not on the like highest level of conscious. That like subjective free will area feels like they're much more down. The yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think...
1: And it, like, wouldn't be efficient if we really had to think about every single time we, like, wanted to wiggle our toes or move yes, food down I mean, I, I,
0: think, I think part of what you're, you're noticing, I mean, memory is a great thing. And the capacity that we have to learn actions is really, I mean, useful as, you know, as it's meant to be. And then I think there's also, you know, the secondary point that, like, to keep a body alive takes a lot of things that we are not consciously thinking about. So I, I think you're absolutely
1: right. And then the point from there is, well, that it gets harder and harder to be the, like, staunch free will person when you're like, oh, all these actions that my body's taking and that I've, you know, in the gradation of whatever level of attention is put to them, it starts to feel like it's more and more that and not the, like, whatever subjective. Yeah, yeah. I think the
0: more you get into even the, like, smaller areas of this field the harder it is to maintain the kind of conventional kind of pre-modern science idea of free will like I think you know I've had assignments analyzing neural data where you're predicting like you know when is this monkey going to reach questions like that that you know very easily could be applied to you as well like if you had this data you could predict with pretty good results like when are you going to be reaching when are you going to be Mm -hmm. doing whatever else that you're doing.
1: I wanted to touch on the predictable thing because um, randomness is a really cool thing to me, like mathematically mm-hmm. and computer science-wise. There's this definition of randomness that comes from information theory. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of this?
0: Um, I, I'm not quite sure, but go for
1: it. Basically, it's that there's certain strings. Um, you can just think of it as like ones and zeros or it could be any alphabet that some are compressible and some are incompressible. So just like the way your computer compresses data... The some things can be compressed but basically the main idea is the more incompressible the more random so mm-hmm. it's kind of you can tie it with entropy or a lot of things if you want to like take mushrooms and think about this stuff but it's like <laughs> the more predictable like I can write down simple algorithms in a very short amount of strings like a for loop mm-hmm. and a while loop um, whereas if there's really random noise like there's no way for me to shorten that in like a python program to like generate the noise That's kind of a fundamental thing in cryptography. Like, you can make pseudo-random things, but it's really hard to get the true random. So anyway, randomness is cool. And that definition is very cool. And it has to do with predictability and unpredictable. Like, unpredictable is kind of random. Like, that's how I would say it is, whereas the predictability is, like, you can express it in a shorter way. I can say the monkey will reach at these times. It's not, like, a purely random thing. I th- although in this some sense, randomness is predictable. If I can say like a die is predictably random, it's not randomly random. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait. Sorry. I- I'm not I quite kinda sure got lost I see in the exactly sauce how the information theory definition of <laughs> I just wanted was. to talk about that because okay. I think it's really
1: cool. It's kind of doesn't tie in.
0: Uh, yeah. But predictability, I have heard of
1: it. Yeah, Unpredictability and free will. I'm like, let's say... You know, if you're like a quantum physics god uh, geek yes, and you're like everything's random and whatever and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know anything about quantum physics, neither do I. But let's just say it's like random and cats getting poisoned in a box and the other cats getting like human trafficked <laughs> in a box and okay. you don't know. To,
0: to bring it down to earth, I, I think I know what you're getting at. <laughs> you're getting at the, the idea that like the inherent randomness in the universe is kind yes. of an escape from determinism. So let,
1: let's say like would you still consider it predictable? if you could say like um like that let's say you could just have a prob let's say that a human being could only take 10 actions like let's simplify mm-hmm. it and you could give me like a probability distribution that exactly maps on like if you simula if you well if you simulated 1 million universes with david and them like he would take exactly you know that distribution of actions like is that deterministic is that against free will it's kind of a weird
0: yeah yeah i I think this is like the critique that is brought up of determinism a lot, and I think it is technically correct like what you are getting even with kind of this theoretical best predictor um is not perfection like there is a small chance that it will be wrong if you're giving it a classification right. or like a you know a distribution like it's mathematically not a complete answer yeah but i think the the response to this though is that you're saving like a minute probability here like if you are predictable with like a high magnitude like accuracy there like are you really saving yourself your your conventional notion of free will i, I agree like technically pure determinism is not a hundred percent true like you you're never going to reach a hundred percent certainty but i, well, I think we the don't question- know that to
1: be clear could be quantum physics is wrong
0: uh, okay i mean <laughs> guarding against inaccuracies from all lenses yeah um but i think that the, the question to ask yourself if that's the thing that's saving free will for you is like is what you're saving even free will because that's not what most right. people i would mean
1: though I, I would say i totally agree and it's not free will what i wanted to say is let, let's take it to the simplest case let's say that you are the giga chad scientist you figure out that's Humans actually only have two behaviors, and it comes down to a coin flip, okay? And you have exactly modeled this, and you've done all the evidence and all the demonstrations. Ooh,
0: I, I feel you're giving me a hypothetical that I'm not sure I can engage in
1: No, 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 no. I promise you. I You can engage in this. But if you want me to change it, let uh, I, me finish I, I, and let me sorry, know. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you it. finish. Um, let's just—what I'm trying to get at is just the probability distribution view, and I'm trying to have it be a simple one so it's not like— like, realistically, there's probably, like, a trillion, quadrillion factors that a human could do. But let's just say there's two things. You figure out exactly that 20% of the time a human does this, 80% a human does this. Great. I would say that you have predicted human behavior, that it's not deterministic from a strict mathematical sense. Like, it will behave non-deterministically, but it's not free, and you've deduced exactly, like, what will happen. It's not like, the unless, like, it's not like... A person is choosing twenty percent of the time. to act Yeah, like that.
0: yeah. I think that's a good point because that you know still in a way is not really free will. Um, yeah, I think you're right. That's actually a very good point because a lot of the um, you know the arguments against determinism state that you know because it's it's probabilistic, so it's not one hundred percent determined. I think you're you're completely correct that you know if if it does come down to chance, it doesn't come down to you.
1: Yeah. Um, unless you want to get super, you know, metaphysical and be like, you're the one choosing the chance or you're the one choosing your... And then it's like, well, <laughs> I, I you're kind of... Wait, so
0: spell that one out for me because I'm not sure that that's... A <laughs> I mean, you can, that makes like, sense. you
1: can always come up with an explanation for everything. That's just that's how the conspiracy guys do it and girls and non-binary conspiracy <laughs> people. Uh, that's how the... Um, that's how, no offense to religious people, but I mean... Generally, uh, you can come up with an explanation for anything if you want to make it work. So, if you want to make it work, you know every human has a soul that makes choices. Wait, wait, wait and your, the soul your soul exactly, is random.
0: Is that the is the that soul the...
1: chooses the exact randomness? It like seeds the randomness. You know, seeds the randomness. You know, and well, the, but okay.
0: I yeah. mean, th- that's that's getting into a different situation, which is wh- where the, the original reason I thought I might not be able to engage with your hypothetical mm-hmm. is that it's not twenty eighty. It's not even like one ninety nine. What you're talking about is a Really minuscule distribution with, like, a tiny standard deviation around the choice that you're going to make. Like, assuming you have, like, complete predictability, not what we can do currently.
1: Um, I mean, we don't know that. Like, I, I just mean that the actual things that a human being can do in moment to moment, like, I guess it would—a real predictability thing would come down to, like, particles, and yeah, each particle yeah. could probably I mean, not do that many things. So you it you brought up the
0: quantum thing, and I think that the, th- that is the reason that most people think that there is some inherent randomness. And if, if that's the scapegoat, like that is tiny. Like that's a, that's a tiny deviation, unlikely to make significant changes.
1: Um, could you explain more? I'm not sure I understand because if there's like tiny deviations in every particle, but then there's like billions of neurons each with – I mean how many atoms are in a neuron?
0: I, yeah, I don't know, but... Um, Hello,
1: neuroscience? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My classes we have We got to get the me. chemistry people yeah, on this. Yeah,
0: count the atoms. Um, right. A lot of
1: atoms probably though.
0: But, like, l- look at the world. Like, things behave pretty predictably. It's like when people talk about, uh, at least I, I don't know the exact relative probabilities, but I feel like it's like when people talk about, like, oh, your hand could go through the table, like, if the atoms aligned that way randomly. And, like, y- yeah, uh, sure. I actually know someone who would
1: really freaks out to say that. Really? Yeah. Because then they, like, feel very Do unstable they start in the touching?
0: Th- I mean, yeah, you could fall into the core of theirs.
1: People have strange fears. Yeah. But it that's is technically one. true. <laughs> at least I think. I mean, there's probably an annoying guy on YouTube who already made a video about it, how it's like actually statistically impossible. But
0: Well, I mean, that's the whole point of what we're saying. Like it's statistically not going to happen, but technically possible. And I think that that's what I'm saying, that the same is true of deviations from predictability, at least in the short term, um, when it comes to decision making.
1: I see. It's kind of... Um... It, that's a strange thing. Like, it's not intuitive to me that all those complex molecules doing random things could result in predictability on like our level. Like, it does not seem kind of weird to you?
0: I mean, it, it happens in the world every day. I don't know why it's any different in the brain because there are complex well, molecules of... all around us that behave very predictably at the macro level.
1: Right, but there's also like systems of air currents which behave cha- inherently chaotically. So, do you think the brain is more like? chaotic air currents or is it like a bowling ball flung on a you know parabolic arc I mean I would say it's definitely like just cuz it's such a complex physical system it's going to be if it wasn't then we would understand how it works right now right
0: I mean I I don't know that that's true you can have a lot of complexity without it being chaotic and I think that there is a lot of predictability with it I mean there's I guess it depends kind of what level you're looking at also because if you're right. recording from a population versus if you're saying what are the dynamics of like one neuron to the next.
1: Right. It's kind of what you're um, looking at. Like obviously – okay. Let's I, put this aside. If you're trying to track every particle in a brain, it is chaos. Well, yeah. And I, like the electrical I, I think that's charges. kind of
0: like if you're trying to track every particle in any, anything um, that is that complex and you're putting or even in, one
1: particle. Like, could you tell me if, could you give me the initial conditions of a brain and like say where one electron will be in a second, you know?
0: I mean, I couldn't, um, <laughs> I, I,
1: but I don't know if that's even like feasible on a computer.
0: Okay. I, I think there, we, we need to separate this out cause this is getting very yes. messy. Um, Please. so are you asking like the question of, is that possible? Like in a metaphysical sense, or are you asking, is that like empirically simple?
1: Um, not metaphysical. That's a separate thing. I think I'm asking whether, like, yeah, whether it would be empirically feasible.
0: I, I would, I mean, if it's metaphysically possible, then it is theoretically feasible. Um... Well, that's not always true, but I think in like this it's case, metaphysically
1: possible if you believe every physical computation, everything in physics is computable, then you could just compute everything with a really big computer. Yeah, but
0: that, that's what I'm saying. But that's that, not it, a very that it interesting is question. Theoretically that's possible. Too hard. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- at that point, though, you, then you're just asking what are our current modeling capabilities, which I guess I'm asking. I'm not sure how much light that sheds on anything it, interesting. It comes
1: down to fundamentally complexity, like you can track the arc of a bowling ball pretty accurately with a simple equation, x squared. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a simple equation. Yeah. If that's the question.
1: Yeah, and so I don't really know much about the mathematical definition of, like, chaotic buzz. Although there is,
0: you know, something interesting, and there's some research, you know, showing what what are the equations that are happening in the brain that are being computed by the neurons.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And so, you know, with certain stimuli, you talk about, like, Are you vector averaging or are you – doing like all these kinds of mathematical Mm -hmm. computations that are happening in the brain. So in that way, I think there is some real interesting stuff happening with what are the equations that can describe what the brain is doing. But that's description on one level. That's not description on every level. Mm -hmm. Um, That's description on the level of like what are the neurons as kind of computational components together resulting in
1: right and but, so like
0: th- there is there is some validity in describing what they are doing that way, because they are like I mean under the hood, your brain is doing math, and you know there is trying to uncover what math is going on in your head
1: so there's some math that like
0: i mean necessarily there must be right, like you make a decision to catch a ball, right, like you have at at some point like there has been a calculation of where to place your hand to catch that ball, right? Like, and somewhere between the visual input of seeing a ball coming at you and your motion response of reaching out to catch it, like, math has happened. And that is decodable on some level, presumably, maybe. Maybe they already have. I actually don't know. Um, But, you know, you can see the equations that are happening that lead from stimulus to response in some way, at least for certain steps of it.
1: So is it your view that we're just an organic computer with certain biological, you know, realities which make us different from computers in a lot of ways? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think But yes, at our core, we, our body does computations and then that's what we do.
0: As, as opposed to what? Right. I mean, yes, I, I, would, I would say I think that is true. I, I don't think that's just neurons, though. Like, right. I, I mean, you are, but yourselves are behaving in predictable ways that are carrying out like the laws of physics. Right. So, I mean, yeah. Doesn't it
1: seem like I get that it's tested empirically, and that's why I believe in it, too. And I agree with you that if you're committed to these principles, then you have to say that we're kind of an organic computer, that that's where. I mean, Mm -hmm. in a way, it's like, it's not like we're the computer, you know, the computation is going on within. Can I ask
0: you something though? Because I I know that this is like a a line sometimes, the idea of like, we are, we are just a biological computer, but I I genuinely, yeah, like we're a machine, but like, so we don't even really need neuroscience to acknowledge that because we, you know, we take in stimuli, we respond. Isn't that like kind of the definition of a, a machine or a mechanistic process? There's um, input, there is
1: output, right? But first off, it's stimuli in my okay. <laughs> vocabulary. All right.
0: I honestly, I switch between the two. I, I'm not consistent.
1: Um, is it cacti or cacti?
0: It's cacti.
1: There you go.
0: I I don't <laughs> think that that's the end-all-be-all all of this, but
1: um, okay. Sorry, we got we got very deep. Um. So you were saying we don't need neuroscience.
0: Yeah, I mean I, what I'm saying is that we we fit the format of a machine, right? Like you have input, right. you have output. Is that not what here's makes the, a machine?
1: Here's the problem. It's like at its core, well, there's not. it's not really a problem. It's just the result. Like science only looks at giving things inputs and measuring an output, right? Like, that's kind so of the scientific is, process. Is the
0: alternative something like a soul or something along those lines? Right. I mean, okay.
1: it gets into mysticism, I guess, because that's what there is besides science. But I don't know much about, like, a <laughs>
0: meta. I think you're going to offend a few a people meta... on that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't—that's why I'm, I'm saying I'm ignorant on, like, whether there are other things out there. But here's what feels weird to me, and this is a big question that I— is one of those questions that'll keep you up, is, like, why is math so good at approximating our universe or measuring our universe, and why are there like these laws that are just true and hold true? Like it didn't have to be that way. Our universe you know, we can imagine in our brains, which is another cool thing humans do. Can we imagine? Well,
0: because okay,
1: in our bra- like few, we can imagine thoughts. a bra- a world where it's like the laws change every day. Like
0: yes, you know, yeah, we God can, we can imagine things like God
1: that. at one a.m. is like you know what gravity is going the other way. And right. Then we just fly but away. But if we
0: lived in a world like that we wouldn't exist, right? Like, we need certain conditions uh, to arise.
1: chicken before that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is the same argument that a lot of theists use for the existence of God, right? Like, why would the world be so perfect? Why do we live on a planet that happens to be habitable? Yes, the world is so, good thing
1: nothing bad happens. I know that they they have arguments for evil too. Those ones annoy me though. Yeah, I can understand. God wanted you to starve. It's like, well, did he? I mean, I guess you have (laughs) eternal heaven afterwards, so it'll be good. Anyway, continue yes. here. Yes, <laughs> well,
0: moving on from alienating all Christians. Um,
1: they lo- They have to love me since they love their neighbors, so.
0: That's a good point. Yep. Um Anyway, um, right, the, the fault with this argument that, like, everything is so perfect for us to exist, it must have been, you know, created or it must be purposeful. Which,
1: just to be clear, I wasn't implying, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but this but is an interesting to, argument. To, to this is the, the easy answer. It's yeah. like, oh, there's just something that's, like, like us, but superior power in another right,
0: room. Right, right. Um, and I'm, I'm, as I'm sure you know, like the standard response to that is like if if that weren't the case, then we would not exist. Um, you know, if we didn't live on a habitable planet, we wouldn't be existing to think, wow, we live on a habitable planet. Like no matter how the dice are rolled, if no matter how improbable there ends up being a thinker on a habitable place for thinkers, they will think, wow, how unpro- how improbable it was that I got here. And I think right. it's, you know, the exact same with the laws of the universe. If, if the laws changed every day, we likely would not be thinkers the way we are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We wouldn't be able to appreciate the fact of the stability because without that stability, we could not exist.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I think you still bring no. up something that's that's interesting to think about. No, I, like, just, it, got it, it really, is I just got really—I
1: <laughs> just got fucked because <laughs> I realized like. <laughs> If I'm just a biological machine. Like, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> I'm glad I've given you an existential crisis already.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So, do neuroscientists struggle with the existential crises or no?
0: I mean, I'm not like a real enough neuroscience scientist to answer right. you, that you question. You do more
1: computational modeling. Oh, right?
0: I, I meant because I'm Uh-oh. not, you know, like. Credentialed and stuff yet. Um, I mean, I would say probably, once you're credentialed, then I, yeah, will then I you. Then I will be an expert. Until at then, you're the actually internal. a loser
1: who knows nothing. Yeah,
0: I I am. Um, I would say from my experience, and this is limited, it's not something that's thought about super actively, like in like the actual doing of neuroscience. Um, very often, that the questions are, as you say, like you know, science is much more input output, figure it out. Um, And I think that applies to neuroscience too. I don't think that the day-to-day life of a neuroscientist involves like a two-hour existential crisis on the nature of consciousness or anything because I think that's – like what you're doing is science. What you're doing is biology um, or math or, you know, whatever kind of subfield you're applying the most. What you're doing is not questioning like the the huge big picture of consciousness every day. Um, I bet the philosophers have more existential crises to be honest.
1: Right, but they don't do any of the science, so. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's people who, like, touch both realms, right? I don't know. Are there?
0: I would want to be one.
1: Listeners, let us know. There's good (laughs) philosophers and scientists. let me know if there's a
0: good path for that. Usually
1: the, like, scientific philosophers tend to be more humble. Maybe I'm... I'll get, like, canceled for this, but...
0: I think you're probably right. Generally, they
1: try and have more epistemic humility on what they know. They're like... (laughs) well, my position is we can know things through science and we do evidence and trials and then we can slowly know more bit by bit, but I'm not going to make claims about consciousness or something.
0: Yeah, But it seems
1: to be an emergent property that, you know, something like that.
0: I think that sounds at least plausible. It makes sense that the more you would appreciate about that field, the less confident you would be making the kinds of like huge sweeping statements that some philosophers, (laughs) especially philosophers in the past, made.
1: Yeah. But I also, you know, it's a very human thing to make those sweeping statements. I love making sweeping statements. I think that's, like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I actually, I'm a staunch advocate for generalizing. And, like, Mm. you know, you could say, well... (laughs) Um, generalizing like that's how like that's what our concepts are like when I say tree I'm talking about the general concept of a tree I'm not talking about this tree or that tree
0: yes
1: and you know people get mad about generalization because it can be used in negative ways obviously (laughs) well
0: I I don't know if you can use the category of a tree to justify the level of sweeping generalization (laughs) like whatever Locke claiming that we're blank slates as children like those those feel like different levels of generalization
1: right so I guess some are good and some are bad. Well, <laughs> let's tie this. We kind of left free will because
0: mm-hmm. you know we took a little turn, but we can we can bring it back. But
1: let's let's bring it back to bookend this podcast. But I wanted to talk about what's the result for ethics. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you talked about how it affects practical life, which is it doesn't, um, like many things. But what is your what do you think is the result for an ethical system or even a legal system, whether it exists or not?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think that my my previous attitude that it shouldn't affect things extends to this as well. Um, So the question of blame, I think, is not a question of philosophical free will, not a literal question of could you have chosen otherwise mathematically, but a societal question of are we going to blame you for this? And the role of blame in like punishment and ethics is perhaps a a rabbit hole we won't go down because we don't have time but um
1: all right like animals do it and they don't like we wouldn't say uh, like maybe they have some ethical emotional drive but we wouldn't say okay they have like a system of that but animals will like punish probably a monkey who like does something bad to an you know, like they outcast people, right?
0: The, well, there's social dynamics in animal world too, and I think mm. that's that. I mean, that adds to the point. What I'm trying to say is that this is a social phenomenon.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Okay, I and I think so, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think that this, this this is perhaps an important thing that maybe we should be shifting because I think that there is a tendency to think of blame as the as that question of of could you have chosen otherwise. And in a sense, there are cases where it's instinctive. Like, if you were held with a gun to your head and told to do something like steal, you are obviously like in a, in a social sense less culpable than if you'd just chosen to steal. um and there's those higher level things that you take into account. But you know as you as you brought up the other day, this has been starting to be extended, right? Like there was there have been cases where people have done whatever crimes and found a a tumor in their brains that has affected areas that are mm. relevant to this, decision-making kind of thing. They're things, much more aggressive. Like, yeah, aggression or, you know, impulse control, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that it it is a very interesting question of where you draw the line, right? Because when it comes to determinism, you can say, like, everything, right? Everything comes back to being predictable, no matter what you did. Or even in a more intuitive sense, like, what we are doing right now is a product of, of nature and nurture combined. It is a product of, of what has been happening physically and what has been happening in our childhood. And, like, the, to an extent, it's true. Like, no matter what you were doing, you couldn't have been doing anything else, whether that's determinism or even just the intuitive idea of, like, nature and nurture. Um, but where do you draw the line um, between what we choose to blame people for as something they could have chosen to do otherwise or what we don't and I think I, – I, I don't think I have a clear answer, but I do think that we need to stop searching for the answer to could they have done otherwise because that's not a productive question given determinism. Nobody could have done otherwise. Instead, we kind of need to accept that what we're doing is setting an arbitrary threshold somewhere on that spectrum where we decide, you know, past this threshold, it wasn't your fault, you couldn't have done anything, and before this threshold, like, no, we're going to hold you responsible. And, of course, it doesn't have to be a black and white. We can have gradations in the legal system, whatever, whatever, or in our moral systems. But ultimately, we, we have to acknowledge that what we're doing is just kind of setting an arbitrary kind of division there.
1: Yeah, I guess it comes down to whether ethics are, at the end of it, social or practical, to just try and socialize people better which mm-hmm. kind of comes down to a legal system or whether you, like the philosophical things. Which is, is a fair like, point. Se- setting I, those aside. <laughs> I, 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 I
0: don't believe in any objective morality, so I'm not sure we're going to get you with that one. But if you propose right, a system. That,
1: I'd say I, that with determinism kind of comes that. And with well, a lot of the things that neuroscience has gained, you evidence hmm. points to that ethics are some kind of like, well, I can't say evidence point. Um, it feels to me like, <laughs> Ethics are some kind of evolved version that come down to those like emotions, which, I mean, you know, you I, can see your agree. dog being yeah. like happy, sad or frightened or even, sh- I mean, I don't know if dogs have shame, but you, you know how.
0: We, yeah. Yeah. They act guilty. Right. I mean, I I, I think that's true. I, it's some
1: kind of, we kind of rationalized systems based on this because they're mm-hmm. good. Like, it's good to have good things. I mean, it's a dumb thing to say, but obviously, it's good to not have like rapists and murderers running around doing what they're doing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so there's reasons that our ethics evolved. And then I guess with like writing and thinking, and when that all started happening, Mm -hmm. we kind of people decided to, you know, make it uh, permanent because it probably helps consolidate power and make a civilization. I I, I, I don't know
0: that we have made it permanent.
1: I I mean, like back in the day, like there would be like Ten Commandments, where they would say like the rules. Like that's what law. Well, I mean, I I mean, also
0: there's some that are have been very deeply ingrained in us, right? Like the the, the detesting murder and right. And I'd say that's what it
1: makes it feel like. Oh, these aren't just like these didn't really come down from God. These kind of feel more just like feelings that were in some way, you know, written down and. Yeah, on. I mean
0: I, that's that's an interesting take. I don't think they feel that way. I think they feel very real and very mm-hmm. objective to most people. I think that's why you know the idea of nihilism is problematic to people. Um, yeah,
1: I'm talking about the morals being real or not, not the feelings. The feelings are definitely real. This is kind of the same thing where no, no, the no, feeling no. I mean, of something versus the
0: Well, actually I, I think like some people of will different.
1: all feel okay, most Probably not. Maybe not psychopaths. Most people will feel bad when they see like an innocent person dying. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think what I'm what I'm saying though is that I, I think it's interesting that to you it, it comes so easily that oh these are just things we wrote down um, because I, I don't think that's how it is to most people. I think most people, well, i you know have to have, have to a really...
1: superior brain. That, yeah, that, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I have to cut that. <laughs> we'll out.
0: record from it and properly predict your superior actions. Well,
1: the at the end of the day, we came from monkeys, at least. That's the scientific consensus, um, or apes. We
0: have evolved. (laughs) Yes, we have evolved, I think is what you're trying to say. And we
1: all know that the apes, they are not, you know, no laws, no, I mean, I guess maybe in their brains they have some subjective experience of ethics that we can't access, and maybe it's similar to ours, but you know what I mean. We came from apes, so at some point there had to be a transition of just like what we would most people would see, oh, they're just animals, you know, they have raw emotions I mean, to what we have. To, and, to
0: devils advocate you know. this, I think the standard response is that we have achieved reasoning and that reasoning has led to the kind of objectively correct moral systems that we are able to debate right.
1: about. But any formal either. system comes down to its axioms yes. at the end of the day, and then it's just logical consequences, and the axioms, I'd say, are based on feeling because what else do we have but intuition? Yes, and it's the same way for math, although... You know, some math people would disagree. They'd be like, Plato, you know, gave me (laughs) this from the heavens and he decided that tetrahedrons, whatever, whatever would exist. But I
0: see you're at the cool math dinner parties.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, No. uh, We we also got on a tangent. Okay, ethics, feelings. The objectivity or lack thereof
0: of morality. I mean, I I think.
1: (laughs) Well, that's kind of a big question.
0: Well, okay. This is is a separate question. I I think part of what I wanted to say, though, is that um, we are terrible at representing because both of us have kind of unconventional ideas about morality compared to the average person. Um, And perhaps we can get into that on a future episode. Well,
1: maybe the average person should listen up, you know. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll
0: make an episode. We'll educate the masses.
1: Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) the masses. Okay, I wanted to say. I, mean, I
0: think that the, the masses being the, the nobody that's listening, but right.
1: I wanted to put aside the theoretical and go back to the what you were talking about with the arbitrary line between when we decide that it's like their neurology, not neurology. Is that the right word? I don't sure.
0: Know. I mean, their I,
1: brain stuff, which made them do something wrong, versus you know their choice, whatever that mm-hmm. means. And yeah, it's like maybe theoretically you could say nothing is their choice if you are, don't believe in free will. But definitely I agree you would still need a line. No one's yeah. saying that like well, prisons would go away because obviously we still need some kind of social rehabilitation. Yeah,
0: I, I also think I should clarify that this the, the kind of arbitrary line I'm talking about is in terms of how you feel about blame. I don't think that that's how we should be orchestrating legal systems because I think there are other metrics we can look at. You know, like, is this person likely to do it again? What actions right. can that, we take That's exactly what that? I wanted to say. It's like yeah. it should
1: just be a scientific thing. Like, if it really is the case that if your mom did horrible drugs when she was pregnant with you and it messed up your brain in specific ways, then, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to be punished versus not punished. It just means that we should actually know what's going on inside yeah. your brain so, like, we can... Make it so that the behavior doesn't happen again.
0: Yeah, I mean, the utopia is that nobody ever commits a crime because we predict it happening and then we alter them so th- such that it doesn't happen.
1: Whoa, 1984. Yeah. What about my right to commit crimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I live in America, goddammit. Mm. All right, a can, can I say that? Gosh darn it. For our we Christian have listeners. Ar- we have already <laughs> said.
0: Other things that are worse. I also don't think we're. First of all, I don't know if we're gonna have listeners, but if we do, I the doubt Christian neuroscience super, community. Like evangelical. Do you
1: know any Christian neuroscientists? Because here's the thing: you'd be surprised really a lot of a lot of science people low-key believe in. Like, because I feel like because no, they I, get I, so. I'm not
0: surprised. I, I definitely yeah. do know. I mean, I I don't ask like the people I work with about their religious background.
1: Do you know any neuroscientists who? Well, first off, I don't know if this is the majority. I would guess the majority fall into, like, an atheist, determinist, mm. all these kind of scientific things. Do you know any who are outside of the norm on that?
0: I'm sure they they exist. It's not something that with people who are, like, you know, not my peers, I'm usually asking them a ton about just because it normally doesn't come up. But um, I definitely know other students who are in hard STEM or – planning to pursue, pursue research who are religious. Um, and as you were saying, like, it is, you know, kind of common.
1: And how about uh, free will tying in with that? I assume the yeah, religious comes with free will. I should, I should say theistic,
0: will. not re- religious. I consider myself to be religious, but I, I don't think I'm the person you're talking about here. Right.
1: There's cultural and then the theological well, aspects. The, the, the
0: definitions of Judaism are beyond the scope of this, but, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway.
1: Well... <laughs> That's what my family does. When we want to wrap things up, we go well.
0: <laughs> All right. I feel like we've had a we've had a good discussion. It's good to have a. Do we have yes. a conclusion, or is this just?
1: No, I mean every I mean, yeah, conversation the at the end is a tease. None of us know anything, <laughs> and one day we will die and become dust.
0: <laughs> All Wait, right. Should I say this
1: for the listeners?
0: No, I like it. I like it. That's us.
1: Our bodies are slowly deteriorating.
0: Predictably deteriorating.
1: And even the things that are more alive in your body, like the cancer cells, will actually kill you too. So.
0: Yeah. I, I feel good like to die. your existential rant should have been more about free will. You've got to stay on topic.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. We will
0: never be predictable. <laughs> we are living lives predictable via simulation. We might even be a simulation. We're just
1: biological machines. And we I'm just doing my part. All right. What
0: part? No part. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. This has been David asking questions and Amelia it's
0: kind of answering them. Yeah. Maybe.
1: All right. Thank you, guys.
0: All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening.